0: All right, time for us to check in with Von Palmer on this Monday morning. And, boy, Vaughn, it sure sounds like it's shaping up to be a busy week, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, I kind of hope so at the legislature. We've, uh, you know, they sat for a week at the beginning of October, and then they went back to their ridings for a week. The Premier said he's got a busy agenda for the fall. The House is back today. I guess we'll find out if they do have anything on the agenda. The, (laughs) The first week they ran out of things to talk about. So they went back and debated the throne speech, which is, what, really? you know, six months old. It's kind of an old topic. So anyway, the Premier says, no, no, we got a busy agenda, so we'll find out starting today, I guess.
0: Okay, and there's also, you made a great point about this, too. Like, we've got winter coming upon us. The yeah. weather is changing. What is going
1: on for the people of Lytton? Yeah, I mean, look, this is really getting serious. Uh, the town was destroyed by fire, and... Uh, <laughs> It's a a pretty serious story, especially if you happen to live there. Uh, They promised right at the beginning, we're going to rebuild Litton. Okay, great. And we're going to rebuild it as, you know, a modern state-of-the-art community and all that. Okay, great. Where is it? I mean... Seriously, winter is coming, and I think the opposition today, I expect they've done a, opposition's done a pretty good job of bringing this issue forward. It is an opposition riding, Jackie Teagart's the MLA. Um, I think we'll get questions today. The government has been ducking this one for a while, and I don't think they should be allowed to duck it anymore. They've got to do something for that poor little town. Yeah. Uh, the people want to get back to A, home, and even if they have to do something temporary, that may be what they have to do, I still think the government's got to do something here. It's been put on hold for too long now. And, you know, (laughs) we live in an era where the government has repeatedly demonstrated, Simi, that money is no object. Yeah, really. The deficit is massive. The borrowing is massive. Okay, it needs to be done. We've turned the page on the old days when the B.C. budget was balanced by both new Democrats and liberals. So really, money is no object for the government at the moment. Um, They really need to do something on and That's probably the most pressing issue before the legislature when it sits today.
0: Right. And of course, they'll still be talking about the Massey Tunnel replacement too, right? I think the BC Liberals will be going after that.
1: Yeah, I think, the, I think the liberals will find an opening there, although, you know, and you had the experience of having the transportation minister on your show last week, um, the finger-pointing by both sides on this one. Yeah, well, you did the same thing. Oh, yeah, well, you, you know, we were going to build a, a bridge. Oh, well, we're going to build a tunnel, right? I mean, I'm not sure it'll be anything more than uh, he said, she said, they said uh, squabbling in the house. But, uh, again, this is one that has huge consequences for the listener stuck in traffic, because if you depend on that crossing to get to and from work, you are going to be depending on it for another nine years thanks to this political squabble, so it is not without consequences
0: okay, so something else we wanted to talk about today for sure. I don't know about did you get a chance to read that the piece that I think Mike Hager wrote it in the Globe and Mail, but jody Vance feature, or Jody Vance featured in it talking about like this, the kind of public people these days and the kind of threats that come in from people who are listeners or voters or whatever the case may be.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was a powerful piece, and I uh, Hager did a nice job in The Globe writing about it, a sensitive one, I thought, and I admire Jody Vance for coming forward yes. and dealing with this, and I admire the police for it looks as if they're getting ready to lay charges here. It's unusual for there to be charges. Uh, I have colleagues, I'm sure you do, who've had them in the past, and some serious threats. Uh, Kim Bolin at the Vancouver Sun is an example, and she's talked about it, so I'm not giving away anything here. And, you know, Bolin's, the threats to Bolin, um, what she said herself is they have been reported to the police, and the response of the police has been, you know, that the charging standard in British Columbia is such that you need witnesses or recordings or confirmation and the response has been, I think, in some cases that they get in touch with the person making the threat and warn them to stop and say, we're watching you. What is unusual in the Jody Vance case is that it appears they've assembled enough evidence to proceed with criminal charges. And they've also got the person making the threats to make an undertaking uh, So leave Jody alone and stay away from her and, and, you know, end contact on Mm -hmm. social media. So um, I'm sure it's no comfort to any journalist to be in the middle of this. I'm... I'm fortunate, Simi. I don't, I don't get threats. Um, you know, I don't, I don't really fit the profile of the kind of journalists who get a lot of threats. And I, unlike some of my colleagues, Simi, I don't have to cover these demonstrations and protests. Yeah. You know, my my son-in-law, who works for Global, has been sent out to cover anti-vaxxing protests. This is not a very comforting thing to have to do. So, it is um, not. As I said, I, I don't feel threatened myself, and I think you always want to be careful not to invite threats or give the threat maker the satisfaction of knowing they got to you, but I think it is an encouraging development, if a disturbing one, that we've apparently got a criminal case proceeding involving threats against a journalist.
0: And this has happened over the years for politicians too, right? And I'm sure that yeah. you've heard about this and covered this, and politicians do have to deal with this. I'm sure, though, that temperature is also rising these days.
1: Yeah, it is. You know, it is this awful case in the UK, and it's the second member of the uh, British Parliament who's been killed. Uh, so, yeah, I think politics everywhere are thinking about it you in the time i've been covering bc politics security has certainly increased it's increased at the legislature it's increased at constituency office it's increased for for our premiers and again you don't talk about the details you don't want to compromise security or as i said invite more threats but you know without going into names i've i 've covered two premiers who had to move out of their homes because the RCMP said we can 't make you secure at your home. you have to move someplace more secure've had a premier whose constituency office was firebombed we 've had a com- a premier who had panic buttons established installed in his office and in his home so it 's out there uh, we 've been um, you know, we've avoided the worst of it, obviously, here in British Columbia, but I don't think any day goes by that a politician looks at something like what happened in the UK and goes, well, you know, uh, we again, Simmy, you know this, we have an MLA here right now who's yeah. uh, someone has threatened to shoot him over his stand on vaccinations. And you go, yeah, well, it's just a threat, right? And you go, yeah, well, um, hmm. I hope that's all it is, is a threat, and I hope the police can deal with it.
0: I hope so too, but it just goes to show you how how just fraught this whole situation has become, and for politicians, and I know I talked to Mike Bernier about this, where you know he hopes it doesn't discourage other people from getting into public life because that's what ends up happening.
1: Yeah, I think that's true, and um, I think we also recognize that you know the internet is one of the great tools. In human history, for gathering and spreading information and all of that, but social media has also become uh, has also magnified threats the The kind of people who you know uh, were pretty isolated in their ability to make threats now have a device that allows them to magnify them um, all over the world. They have followers yeah. everywhere and Um, the result is that the, the, the tiny number of people disturbed enough to actually act on threats have a bigger audience as well, and that's why, you know, I think, as I said, I don't know how you deal with it on social media. I myself wish the social media companies were held as accountable as the mainstream media are for, you know, if we published threats or if we spread or disseminated misinformation or libel or contempt of court. But, uh, you know, that's a that's a problem for governments. And I think governments everywhere are wrestling with that. They don't really know how to deal with it yet.
0: That is so true. Avon. thank you.
1: Bye bye.